did you know the practice of walking on hot stones began in Fiji? This episode of TripCast 360 is sponsored by David's Cruise Vacations, a travel agency that specializes in both land and sea adventures for the intrepid traveler. Book now at davidscruisevacations.com and experience that hands-on personal service. Hello and welcome to TripCast 360. We are the podcast of lively banter about travel, lifestyle, and entertainment. I am Michael Gordon Bennett coming to you from a chilly Las Vegas, Nevada, and I am joined as always by David Cumberbatch. Dave, 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 this is um, this episode will be the first episode that airs in calendar year 2022. But we are actually recording this uh, just before Christmas. And uh, and um, it, it's been a hell of a year, man. I got to tell you, <laughs> <laughs> it really it really has been. But I'll tell you, there's some good news. Uh, you know, people are traveling again. I think they're beginning to to respect the protocols and where they face masks and so on. And, you know, even with this new variant that's out there, uh, people are still traveling. They they are. I mean, you and I both have trips coming up. Uh, I've got two, one to California this weekend, and then I'm going to spend a week in Hawaii, which is the first time I have been out of the lower 48 since the pandemic hit, which, as you well know, is very unusual for me. But mm-hmm. uh, Hawaii's got all these protocols. I had to fill out a boatload of paperwork about my vaccine vaccine status and uh, all that other stuff. And uh, so I've, I've actually cleared that hurdle. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, I'm actually looking forward to getting out of the lower 48. I feel like I've been trapped. Yeah, yeah. But you get used to all those new uh, protocols and so on. I mean, I remember before 9-11, it was so easy to take a flight. Now. You've got to go to TSA, and I think, in a sense, we've all got to use the TSA. So, yeah, we have. I mean, I um, because I hadn't traveled in a while. You know, the pre-check stuff. I hadn't. Uh, I just let it go. But I recently just uh, signed up for it again uh, because before all of this stuff with COVID, you know, I had traveled so much that I was on that TSA pre-check list without having to sign up for the program and pay for it. But since I haven't traveled outside of the states in so long. The uh, I it disappeared. So I, I I popped down my little eighty five dollars last month and got back on it. I, I can't stand it. And my next one after this will be global reentry um, because I fully intend on traveling internationally again in sometime in twenty twenty two. I don't know where the hell I'm going yet, but I'm going. <laughs> but I just got to let you know, you know, you can't use your mileage on my private jet, okay? Oh man, come on, player! You're supposed to allow me to to deal with that and, and get on your private jet. I'm gonna have to call Vince uh, and get him on the phone, uh, um, and we'll have to do that. But I thought you would give me a discount. But okay, I see how you roll. Yes, I've already given you a discount by being my friend. Uh, you know that's the discount. Oh, shit, here we go. Um, anyway, uh, we have an exciting um, destination to discuss today. It is one that I have been to, and our guest actually literally just got back, I believe, from Fiji in the last 48 hours, <laughs> and uh, she's dealing with jet lag pretty well um, from what I'm looking at on my monitor here, so we'll get mm-hmm. into the Fiji discussion in just a moment, but before we do, let's jump into our normal housekeeping notes. The TripCast 360 podcast is available anywhere that you get your podcast, whatever platform, we're on it from. 
uh, Apple to Google to iHeartRadio to Spotify, uh, you name it, we are there. And if you have any ideas or any uh suggestions for future show topics and future show destinations. And keep in mind, we're more than just a travel show. We blend travel and lifestyle. So it could be something lifestyle related to travel as well. Uh, You can send those requests to our email at contact at tripcast360.com. That's contact at tripcast360.com. We are all open. Uh, I'm anticipating, despite the Omicron variant, uh, that 2022 will see even more of a bounce back in travel. Um, as uh, the world learns to deal with that. And um, so uh, let's move on and let's get back out on the road, buddy. Yeah. And Michael, at, at Tripcast 360, as, as you well know, being a, a partner at Tripcast 360, we share information and updates, including photos, videos, travel news, and much more. We are on Facebook, we are on Instagram, we are on Twitter, we are on LinkedIn, and Soon to be, soon we'll be on YouTube and, you know, just take a moment and visit our pages. Once you're there, click, like, follow, and tag us. And we look forward to bringing you tons of great information and uh, connecting you. We encourage you to comment and share on our posts, as well as feel free to share content with your friends and family. How about that, Michael? That works for us. And just so you know, the handle for every single social media handle that or uh, uh, thing that Dave just brought up is Tripcast360. It's the same on all of them. Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, wherever we are, LinkedIn, it's all Tripcast360. So um, you shouldn't have a hard time finding us. And like I said, we're, we're looking forward to 2022. Um, you know, this, this podcast launched during the pandemic and we didn't know, we knew what we wanted to do, but we didn't know how travel was going to be affected at the time that we launched this. So lots of lessons learned, lots of uh, great contacts that we've made. We've made a couple of pivots on our website to make information easily digestible as opposed to um, uh, what we were working with before. So uh, hopefully we've been promising the store for a while, but we had to put that on pause because of the pandemic. So there's a lot of things that are a lot of moving parts that are coming your way in um, in 2022. We are, look forward to bringing that to you. Yeah. Now, drum roll, please. <laughs> Without further ado. She weighs in at a mere 90 pounds. She hails from <laughs> New Jersey. <laughs> our friend, our mentor, our adventure travel guru, Catherine Parker Magyar, is back. And um, if you have never heard of Catherine, which I firmly, if you're a travel person, I doubt that you've never heard of her. But just in case you haven't, Catherine's works have appeared everywhere you can think of. Departures, Architectural, Digest, Forbes, The Daily Beast, The Week, Trip Savvy, and probably Forbes, I said that, probably 10,000 others I have not mentioned or can't think of off the top of my head. Uh, Catherine is a global traveler. She will drop everything she's doing at the drop of a hat and go anywhere in the world. And as I mentioned at the top, she just got back from Fiji within the last 48 hours. So um, I'm hoping jet lag is not killing her as she's getting ready to also after she hangs up with us, write her story for her trip. Uh, her social media handles, uh, in addition to her website, which is CatherineParkerMagyar.com. On Instagram, it's CatherineParkerMagyar. On Twitter, it's KPM1231. And on Facebook, it's KDKATIE.ParkerMagyar. Catherine, I got it all in. 
Thanks for doing this. And I'm glad you made it back from BG with a suntan to make you look closer to me and Dave. Oh my God. Honestly, I, I walked in the door and like, when I saw my mom after being back from my trip, she was like, I've never seen you so tan. She's like, it's marvelous. I'm like, I know. BG, I have no idea. It's, it's amazing. I guess I was, you know, underestimating that I was in the South Pacific in the summertime. But I do have to clarify that the tan part of the instruction is absolutely correct. The 90 pounds, I was moving around these islands, checking in <laughs> at like 200, 250 pounds because I packed so poorly for this trip. <laughs> I can't even explain. It was actually humiliating. And like my first piece of advice is don't bring a hard shell. Don't bring hard shell luggage because you're going to be taking seaplanes, helicopters. You're going to be weighing yourself everywhere. You are literally going to wear one dress and one bathing suit. You're going to be barefoot. And I, I couldn't even tell you what I packed. I couldn't, I couldn't even tell you. And I lost something. I mean, just, there's a saying in Fiji, you don't lose something. It always comes back to you, which like is true. Like I literally lost like a clip in my hair and three times this one clip that I like was keeping for my hair up after it got wet, they'd return it the next day. But yeah, bring soft shell, bring soft shell luggage because I was criminally overweight on each flight. I'm writing this story for Business Insider, and it's actually my first story for them just got published today, which was like, I've been to all 50 states. Here are the 12 ones that are, th that are my favorite, that are best to visit. And I thought this story would really antagonize people, but I've already gotten emails. It weirdly has popped up on a lot of algorithms, like my friend's dad, my mom's parents, my like second cousins. So I'm hoping that this Fiji story breaks the internet, but you could argue that I'm scooping it right now, chatting with you guys. So. Yeah, well, we, we, we like getting scoops. <laughs> this is they, they may right treat us like real media after a while. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah I, 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 by the way, your story, uh, I saw your Instagram post on, about the, the 12 places. We're, we'll have that discussion on another podcast because I saw some stuff in there that I'm going to question you about. <laughs> I know people really were trying, but then a lot of people, I think it was just quirky enough that people are like, okay, you know, I, it's hard because you, if I, I'm doing underrated States and that's where I'll really show my hands. You okay. know what I mean? That's what I'm throwing in. Like New Jersey is going high up there, but yeah. Yeah. It's important that it's up there. I just really, I, I took the task as being like, where are the best States to actually travel? Like if you are going to only 12 states in the entire country, I feel like these 12 states are representative and I've agonized over it so much that I really, I could fight someone on it. And I, and I, and I would love to actually, but people have been kind of agreeing with a lot of it. So we'll see. Cool. But Catherine, you were recently on a, one of our podcasts, uh, that one aired December the 6th, I believe. And you were talking about Cabo San, San Lucas. And you mentioned that you were going to Fiji, but you're back from Fiji. And I'm so happy to have you back to talk about it. What, um, what, what should we expect on a trip to Fiji? I mean, I've heard so much about it. It's beautiful destination, beautiful beaches, diving. Honestly, Fiji, I think has like, when you think of Fiji, and I think when anyone thinks of Fiji, they're like, oh, paradise, heaven. I think part of it, honestly, is Fiji water, which like everyone is seeing that image of like the waterfall and the tropical flowers. And by the way, I did research and they are the largest taxpayer in Fiji. So when you're buying that $5 bottle of water, you are supporting the economy. But bottom line about Fiji, and I, there's really no way to 
you know, exaggerate here, like landing in Fiji and visiting Fiji was sort of touching down and reminding me why I love travel so much. Like it is truly one of, it's not just one of the most beautiful places on the planet, partially because it's so remote. Like I love islands. David is an island man himself ancestrally. I know that Mm -hmm. Michael, you also love traveling like, and we love the Caribbean and I, and the Caribbean still, you can't compare it. Do you know what I mean? The right. Caribbean, South Pacific, because it's- Hey, hey Atlantic City's an different. island, okay? <laughs> I mean, New Jersey for life. But, you know, it's, it is such a, rem- it's remote in the sense of like, you're really out there. Like there was turbulence and I was like, this is where I'm going down forever. And this is where Survivor is filmed. It's where Castaway is filmed. It's where every Bachelor in Paradise would ever film. So you got- you could see why when you land, because there is just this wild beauty to like the color of the Pacific Ocean out there. And some in Western yeah. Fiji, you can get these really turquoise lagoons. But then on Eastern Fiji, it's almost it's crazy. But like pictures almost looked like Maine or Cape Cod, where you had this like it was really hot. But you had the sleep silver water and silver sky. But like the people in Fiji, the culture of Fiji, it is Literally, it's as welcoming as, you know, a cocktail on a sunny beach with like a breeze, which probably won't happen in Fiji. You want to get on the water, but the people are so kind and genuinely, just genuinely very welcoming and hospitable. But beyond that, like the history of Fiji is so rich. And like, I mean, just from a, just a simple, like the prints and all these patterns that you see that like, you probably associate, oh, like those are like, from the South Pacific, they're tropical. Like there are meanings behind each, behind like each print that like will correlate. And I'm sorry, I am jet, I am a little jet lagged and not on my notes of coalesce, but they correlate to different regions. And there's basically there's always it looks beautiful, but there's a story behind every story. And yeah. I mean, this is tangential, but there's this um, company called Rise Beyond the Reef, where they um indigenous, they sort of empower and they employ people in local villages to practice these crafts and everything is handmade. And a lot of what I found about traveling in Fiji is that, you know, people are so obsessed with sustainability and eco travel. And I a hundred percent am for that. Like I'm terrified of climate change and like, but for me, what I feel most tangibly is always cultural impact. And like, am I somewhere that like, is the money that I'm spending to fly over here to spend at these hotels and these resorts? Is it like benefiting the community? Am I having an, am I having like a genuine experience or is it sort of exploitative, you know? And I feel like in Fiji, what I was really impressed by was sort of how seamlessly that guests were brought into local culture without having to even step out to look for it in a way that sometimes you need to do in Uber Americanized places where it's just all inclusive resorts and you're on the beach the whole time. Like the nice thing about Fiji is that um, everywhere you go, you're treated, you're greeted usually with like song, dance, just welcoming. Every every part of it felt like a total immersion into another way of life. But also I felt very at home. Like I just made so many friends immediately with the people that were around us. Like everyone, I think the main thing with traveling and like having a real... I don't know, transcendent experience is being able to like mm-hmm. get outside of yourself, feel comfortable in your own, like learn, learn things about the world around you, I guess. And just with Fiji, you know, some places, a lot of places don't really have Wi-Fi. If you want to go from one island to another, it's going to be, you know, a three boat 
two-plane operation maybe. And Fiji time mm-hmm. is very real, which I love. I love Fiji time because I am always on Fiji time. I was actually on so much Fiji time at one point that people were like, okay, we need American time now. But it's more laid back. And like, I don't know. I didn't know. I've been fascinated by the South Pacific for a while, just the history of the South Pacific, like how, like where, like what, at what thousands of years before Christ, the people arrived here and then moved here. And then like the, the traditions and just the culture. And it's very new to me. I mean, it took me, it took me 25 hours to get there. It was a 10 hour, it was a six hour flight to LA. That was four hours delayed, three hour layover or something in LA, 10 hour flight to Fiji, you know, an hour at the airport, two hours. So it's 25 hours of travel. It is, it's an earned distance, but when you're there, you're weirdly not jet lagged because it's a whole day. You know, I lost, I was doing my notes and organizing my notes and I was like, what the heck happened on, you know, December 1st? I was like, did I not? It's because you lose a, you lose a full day. Like I spent that day in the air, but when you come back, you just gain a whole day. So I left on Monday, came back Monday morning, but long story short to say that it's, it's a lot of travel, but you're actually just going to cruise on by when you're there. Cause it's just, yeah, I, I actually find going from Europe to Europe from New York city for a short weekend harder than going, you know, just around the planet. It's spectacular. Everyone should go. I'd, I'd, I'd idolized it in my mind. Like the second that I'd heard Fiji was reopening after two years of being closed and that, you know, I had the opportunity to go and cover it. That was sort of like my white whale. I was like, I need to do this story. And, and I think when your heart says you want to go somewhere, it's because there's a reason for it. And I think a lot of people's hearts want to go to Fiji based on my Instagram DMs, all of my friends, all of my family, all my <laughs> colleagues. I, and there's a saying in Fiji, welcome home. Bula, welcome home. Like yeah. you do, you know, you do feel like you're coming home in that sense. And just landing in the airport, I looked like such a hot mess. I'd been on that flight <laughs> for 10 hours. I could have done something. Like I literally, I looked like, I can't even explain to you. I couldn't sleep on the flight because I was too excited. It actually, when I flew from, I was on the first direct flight from New York City to Nairobi to go to Kenya, which is like, that's my favorite country on the planet. I don't think it can ever be superseded by anything, but I couldn't sleep that night either. And then I landed and I met the deputy president and he was like, welcome home. And there was this whole, there were speeches. And when I landed in Fiji, there it wasn't something as organized as like, okay, this is like a huge business moment as well, even though it was. It was more like the tourism bureau was there. Obviously we had people, I was pulled into a dance almost immediately and I'm so awkward. And then I was to all the, all like my friends and I was like, come dance. They were like, no, eventually they did. But I was on the news, the Fijian, the Fijian news. They were like, how did you like Fiji airways? And I was like, I loved it. But like a marching band. And then, but beyond that, people were just like out on the streets. Like there's um, a, the circle. Oh my God. What is it called? They're in Cape Cod all the time where it's like a circle, a circular traffic area. You can go around the circle. You can get off. You know what I'm talking about? A roundabout. roundabout. A roundabout. Yes. A roundabout. People were surrounding. People were like circling, flanking like the the outer edges of the roundabout and just like waving to all of the guests who are arriving because, you know, it's been two years. It's been really hard on the economy since March, 2020. There hadn't been any international commercial flights. And people were just like so delighted because number one, it's a return for jobs. It's a return for life on 
on the island. Some people were actually like having to quarantine. Obviously, there are 300 islands in Fiji. They were really good about preventing the spread. And this is a remote place. You know, it's hard to like, vaccinations are hard to travel. Like it's hard to, it's hard, I think, when you're somewhere that is also isolated that if there is going to be a huge outbreak on an island, it would be hard for it not to infect everyone. And everywhere I look, there's a Fiji Cares app. So they do contact tracing on your phone everywhere you go. Everything has the 100% 100 vaccinated sign. Like every, pretty much every island I went to was 100% vaccinated and had been tested regularly. So people were prepared, people were ready. And I mean, it it was just so spectacular. Everyone, everyone should go to Fiji and they want wow. you to come too. Well, let, let, let's distill some of this down a little bit. Um, for, for people who don't know, um, your flight was 25 hours on Fiji Airways. I, when I went in 2006, I was on Cathay Pacific and my flight was 12 hours and it's an overnight flight from, um, LAX to get there. So you arrive very early in the morning. If, if yours was the same as mine. Um, so it, 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 it's a jaunt, but it was well worth it once you get there. Well, if you're in California, it's really easy. I think, you know, okay. that was the one thing where being in New York, that hurt you less easy. That yes. hurt you because it, 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 as I mentioned in our last podcast that when you were on with us, Fiji time is one day less four hours removed from California. So you really don't feel like it's just like staying up late one night to go out and have a few drinks. That's the only difference on your body clock. So you don't notice it. (laughs) And I also have a theory with long flights, even though I didn't sleep the way there, I did on the way back. You can just like tuck in and go to bed, you know, particularly because they don't let you, they don't really turn off the lights for, I've counted this an hour and a half after you've taken off and an hour and a half before you land. So if it's a six hour flight, it's not bedtime, but if it's a 10 hour flight, you know, you're going to get six hours in. Of the 300 plus islands, Catherine. How many islands did you get to visit? I visited six. So I I visited Bitti Levu, which is the main island. And then I went up to Vanua. Okay. Then I went up to Vanua Levu, Vanua Levu. Um, And then I went back down to um, the the Kadavu Island group to Kokomo. Then I went to Port Denaral, which is right off Viti Lavu. Then I went to Castaway, which is in the Mamanukas. Then I went to Turtle, which is in the Asawas. So yeah, six. And I, I actually drew a map of Fiji for myself because I couldn't contextualize where I was all the time because I took so many flights. And basically, like Viti Lavu is in the is the center of the island chain. It's a really large island, and even though I mean, I was shocked landing because so number one in BG, I mean, you'll learn there are clans and then also there are highlands and the highlands in Vitilavu, like, I'm like, am I in Inverness? You know, it almost looks like the <laughs> Scottish highlands and it's so beautiful. And I think people are obsessed with going to the outer islands too. But for me, it was, it's almost, you know, it reminded me of was landing in Jamaica and Kingston and seeing mm-hmm. the blue mountains outside the Kingston airport. But a lot of people just go through, um, Oh my goodness. What is that? What is the bay called the, in the North? Montego Bay. Montego Bay. Yes. But like that's sort of where it was sort of, you had an urban center, but then also these amazing mountains in the distance. I recommend visiting as many islands as I did. 
maybe you're not a travel writer and you're like, you know what? I'm here for 11 days. I'm going to be somewhere longer. But every island, Shane, and every region in Fiji is, is very different. Like there are different dialects. Um, there are different Fijian accents everywhere you go, you know, and I would learn slang in Sabu Sabu and then like try to talk, try to use that slang in like the Asawas and they're like, what are, you, what are you doing? And it looks really, really different. Like each island is very different looking. And I mean, when I, but no island is, every island is beautiful. I think if you want to party more and you want to spend less money and you want to be in more of an Americanized environment, if you're someone who is nervous to go so far on a trip so far away that you don't know much about, I think that staying in Viti Levu or Port Denaral, which has great day trips, could be like a, a great beginner trip or even a way to ease yourself into going to, out to another island. I say at the Marriott Momi Bay. Um, which is like 45 minutes from the airport. And it's mm. like a great starting spot for like people who are surfers. They go out to Tavaru, Tavarua. They go out to like, my friend CJ will like start there, go out surfing in Tavarua. And I mean, that's like an oasis. Every room has a water view. And then I also stayed in the Sofitel um, in Port Denaral, which is like 10 minutes from the airport, 10 minutes from the dock. And like the sunset that I got, like looking out from my window was just like sublime. It's just... But when you go further out into the islands is when you're going to encounter like more rural ways of life and just literally rural islands. You know what I mean? Like you'll, a lot of islands still remain uninhabited. And here is where you can get like that serenity and those, these insane beaches, particularly on the Westerns. I think that when people think of Fiji, even though now when I'm like, what was my image of Fiji? I'm not sure. Like, almost like a Hawaii in a way, but like more scattered and remote is how I, and Hawaii is absolutely gorgeous. I know Michael's going there in like two weeks for the first time. Right. Which is so yeah. insane and should be illegal in LA, but like where <laughs> Hawaii for, for other regular American travelers who've been to Hawaii. I think one thing that sticks out for me with Hawaii always is like the flowers and the colors of, would you agree, David? Like that Hawaii is like, when I think of Hawaii, I think tropical flowers. Yes, like yes, most most certainly. Water. And Fiji is a little bit more like forest, jungle, but like bright green palm mm -hmm. trees. And then just the water on the western side of Fiji, when I was just cruising around, I was in Castaway Island, which I was obsessed with in the Mamanukas. And I think the Mamanukas are so popular because you have Cloud Nine, which is this floating bar that's spectacular. And mm -hmm. is only like eight or nine years old. But for me, I'm like, oh, this must have been around forever based on the amount of people who recommended it. But that's where the cloud, that's where cloud break is, like that insane surfing. And like the sand is so pure white. The water is so turquoise. And beautiful. it's so beautiful. And then the whole Western Fiji gets more sun and it's, and it has brighter waters. And then the Eastern coast, the Eastern side is a little bit more rainforesty. And I mean, when I was in Savu Savu in Vanua Levu, it was overcast for periods of it, but it's called the hidden paradise of Fiji. And it reminded me of like Dominica, unbelievable, like rolling lush green mountains. Just like I, when, when I got back, I went to Savu Savu. The first was my first island. Everyone was like, oh, you've been to the real Fiji now. So it's like a good balance. Yeah. I, 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 and I'm assuming you probably had to take several seaplanes to get from one island to the next, because when I went to Fiji, after that 12-hour flight, 
I didn't want to get on another plane. Well, guess what? I literally walked off the plane that I was on on the tarmac and got onto this three seater to go to another small island right away. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, but the the, the the pilot was cool. He didn't have a co-pilot. So he had me sit in the front seat. And yeah. so where we, he, he actually didn't take us straight to Boma Island, which is where I was going when we landed in, in Savu. Um, he actually uh, allowed me to, you know, drive around and just spot Fiji from, you know, a thousand feet above. I could see, you know, several islands. It was awesome before he finally landed on the water. I mean, it's like, it, that's part of it. The journey around Fiji, like you want to be doing, you want to be doing these trips and like, yeah, you have to, you have to take a couple. For me, the main thing is connecting in different places. You know, it's hard to go directly from one place to the next, even if you have helicopters at your disposal, which we'll go into later at Kokomo, which was insane. But in all, I was on, it took me seven flights, one, seven commercial flights, one helicopter, one seaplane, and four boats to get around. <laughs> I guess I'd say four commercial flights and then three sort of, because those Fiji link planes that aren't seaplanes, but you can't, you literally cannot sit on a certain side of the plane because it's right. going to tip over, but it's not technically a seaplane because it doesn't land in the sea. I'm sure it's got a different name like three mini flights but i found those were like the most some of the most fun times on the trip because you get to, it's like the maldives look down you know what i mean you have to look around at where you are and you're never that high up that you can't see what's going on um definitely though if you're seasick just like bring whatever medication you need to bring because you're on the high seas and you're going to want to be on the seas and like it's way more expensive to pay for a helicopter than it is to like go on the boat for four hours and the boat's fun you know just drink rum <laughs> oh, that got, that got Dave's attention. You sort of segue into drinking. I read where they have this drink called kava. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes. Yes. How many of those did you have? So I kava actually became my white whale early in the trip, and surfing. I never got to surf. I need to go back because there's no surfing really on beaches. You have to be towed out and go out to this like wave that only breaks at certain points. And I'm a beginner. So although I couldn't get to surf, I did get to drink kava. It's sort of like, okay, so it's grows from this tree, this kava plants. And it's something that like the GM people have used, have like enjoyed forever. To my, to my knowledge for it, it's, it's, an, it's like a really ingrained part of the culture and like a sign of respect to share kava with someone. Um, I tried it and I liked it. Um, I mean, I, for me, it made me just feel sort of chill. Like it's not like some crazy hallucinogen, but it's known to like loosen you up, make you more relaxed, make you chattier. Um, that GM I met at Jean-Michel Cousteau Resort told me that, that you need to drink kava every day for two weeks to fully understand the effects. So he tried, so he was like, now I can drink it because I drank it every day. But you definitely feel it, feel it um even you after get a one buzz? time. Like, I don't know, because to be quite honest, like I always had, I was always working with some light buzz going. Do you know what I mean? I was never <laughs> entering a kava situation. Like, you know, because I would have like a, I don't know, weirdly Mai Tais. There were really good Mai Tais in Fiji, but also like, I'm always just like, what's your local specialty? What's your favorite? Except for some islands in Fiji, people really loved vodka. And I'm like, Brin, I'm not into vodka. I'm like rum. And they're like, okay, but like literally we grew up around rum. Vodka's cool. Wine is cool. But mm. all that to say, 
it's more that for me, the ambiance and environment around Kava, the first time I drank, it was actually, I was invited to staff quarters in Castaway to drink Kava, which was really cool. And that was just sort of like a chill hang, but it's, and then when I landed in Turtle Island, the first thing that you do is the Kava ceremony. And I obviously messed it up a little bit, but you're supposed to clap. You're supposed to, you know, I introduce myself to everyone. Everyone introduces themselves to me. You say, you know, I provided a message for my family. It's, it reminded me of like tea ceremonies in Japan, which are about the tea, but also it's, it's not about the tea. You know, it's like a sign of respect and communal gathering and sharing and sipping. It didn't feel very strong. Maybe I'm not, maybe I need to find the right kava guy, but I was like hoping to get like, I don't know. Well, I was hoping let, to get let, a little like crazy. I, I had kava when I was in Fiji and I didn't feel a thing. Yeah, and, no. and maybe it's because I just didn't have enough of it uh, to, you know, really get into um, get get because I know it's I think it has like a mild narcotic to it or a mild sedative or something that's really supposed to relax you. And maybe it's because I had too much from that. I didn't get the effects of the kava. I don't know. But I, I'm like you. I didn't get it. And then somebody told me the exact same thing you just said, that you have to kind of like drink it for like a week or two before it really starts to do its thing. And you would think that would be the opposite. What percent of alcohol is is, is in kava? I have no I'm idea. I'm not sure. It's it looks. It doesn't look like an alcohol either. It looks sort of like a muddy water. Yeah. This is actually really? something good to know. What percentage of alcohol is in kava? Yeah, kava is actually made from a root, Dave. Um, I think it's called yagona or something like that. Y a g o n a. I don't. I I may have mispronounced it, but that's what it's. Oh, it's Yangona, I think is how they pronounce it. And yeah. it's strained with water. So it's actually made from a root. So it's not the traditional alcohol that you would see distilled to make rum or vodka or something like that. Yeah. There's no alcohol in it. Yeah, there's, there's no, no none. alcohol. It's, it looks like a muddy water. It's like powder is put in the water. But I can name several roots that can get you high as well, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, 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 but you normally smoke them. You don't drink them, do you? <laughs> in like ancient, when I say ancient, but you know, back in the back in the day, back in the days, hundreds of years ago, people when um, like chiefs from different clans were having disputes or there needed to be resolution, people would drink kava together. It's a central nervous system depressant. I think it just relaxes you. Yeah. I think that both Michael and I were like, let's thinking it would get us either a little bit drunk or a little, I think it just gets you chill. And then the the description, I think it's like, I think it's honestly like CBD or marijuana because some people are like, it makes you chatty. It makes you stay up. And other people are like, it makes you go to bed. So I think it depends what you bring to it. And I think, you know how like Turkish coffee is like, you know, a quarter liquid and then three quarters grinds. I think yeah. that for kava to really work, we probably need to be drinking it like the Turks do. <laughs> you know, going back to your comment you made about surfing, I, I remember when I was there too, and this happened on several of the islands that I went to, the waves would break, but they wouldn't break near the shore. They would break like a hundred yards offshore. I, I, I think it was FOMO, but I could be wrong. It may have been one of the FOMO, other ones. when you were in FOMO. Yeah, I literally walked from uh, my 
cottage. They're called bures in, in, in Fiji. I walked out maybe 150 mm-hmm. yards and the water never got above my ankles. It's like because that, of the reef. But, but that 151st step, look out. <laughs> oh my it's, God, it's, yes. That's why diving yeah. is so spectacular in Fiji. It's because it's just, you're in shallow water, shallow water, shallow water. And then you're suddenly, it's like 200, 200 feet. Yep. You know, or something. That's when it's dangerous. Yeah. That's when it's dangerous. Yeah. And people are, some people are nervous to surf on reefs, which I get because like coral reefs hurt. But also, yeah, you're out in the middle of the ocean. I have to go back. I mean, I've made friends. I have business there now. I need to return. But I definitely want to try surfing there. But I ended up like the winds. It's very, if you're an expert, I think that you can go whenever you want. But if you're a beginner and like they want you to catch a wave, even though I was like, me catching a wave is like beside the point. I just want to be out there, you know? (laughs) Um, But if you don't surf or you can't surf because no one will take you out there because you're a beginner and, you know, the wind is too strong. Cloud nine is within like you can watch excuse me yeah cloud nine you can see that break from the roof deck of this amazing floating bar that's like two stories high you can jump off the top it's very much like a come as a stranger leave as a friend which is all fiji literally like i left there and i was sort of off the clock because i wanted to experience it for a story but you know i wasn't with i was with other friends i made um on the island I left and it's like half my notes were like everyone writing down their emails, their Instagrams or no. Oh, let me know when you're in Australia. Oh, let me know when you're in Savu Savu. Like it was just, it's such a fun spot. And it's sort of like what I think Surf Lodge in the Hamptons wants in Montauk wants to be like, but isn't where it's actually laid back surfers having fun. But yeah, surfing, you need to, if you want to surf and I wish I did. And I had, I known I would have planned, planned it more, but you, it's not like surfing in Hawaii or surfing in Barbados. You need to plan it in advance. And if I were coming back, I would set aside two days where the center point in my day would be, I want to get out to the, I want to get out to the break and at any moment of the day, because I could have, there are several chances I could have gone and either like there was something else going on or when I could go, the, the wind was too strong. So it's actually something that you'd want to be prepared for. Pack light, books, two days for surfing. And for the love of God, do an exploratory dive. I I hate to like make this claim, but like the best dive I have I've ever done in my life, I believe, was in was in Fiji like last week. Wow. A, a shark befriended me. A truly <laughs> I've seen sharks. Like in the Maldives, there were like 16 sharks. I told you guys about it. Like a shark ballet was happening in front of me. But it's like this is dark. But you know, like one death's a tragedy, a hundred's a statistic. One shark is like a wonder and a hundred is just like, okay, a nuisance. I was looking at the fish. You know what I mean? This one shark, it's called the supermarket. And they were like, it's because a while ago, but this guy died, he used to feed sharks, you know, and they would come there and eat and snack and hang. But now the guy isn't there anymore, but the sharks still come to like hang out. Reef sharks are very curious about humans. So we descend under the water. I look up and there's a shark. It's probably like, Eight feet long. I don't know. Not, I don't know. Longer than me. Maybe, maybe my length. Um, just swimming, swimming, looking at me, coming right up to me, swimming around me. And then I, I've never seen a shark in such clear water so close to me. Their dorsal fins are like sails. They're like sailboats under the water. And we were so sad to leave it because it was like very clear. And it wasn't like we were on a big reef. He, he just came to greet us at the anchor. 
he followed us the whole trip. And then we, we went up for a safety stop, which is like when you have to go to pretty much like right beneath the surface of the water and just hang there, which is when you see nothing because like nothing's up there. He came and did a safety stop with us and was circling us up there. It was just, it was transcendent. And it's, I also think it's called the supermarket or I think it is because, you know, the sharks are up in there, like it's Whole Foods, you know, and they're like, (laughs) you know, because it's so shallow and clear, but yeah. But then also like I, I dove at Jean-Michel Cousteau and Savu Savu, which is Savu Savu and Kokomo are supposed to have like the dive spots I was at are supposed to be like among the very best in the entire world. And they were spectacular. I mean, Kokomo, I almost went down and I never done this before. I pride myself in being a really conscientious diver, but we were diving and I was in the front. And so I was trying to turn around, but it's this huge, it's like a mount, it's like a mountain of coral and you look down and it just goes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's just all these fish. It's like you're at Mount Everest from the top going down to the bottom. And I went so far down that the, that my instructor was tapping. was like, come back, come back, you know, cause I definitely was descending too far. And then my ear kind of popped, but it was a little bit, it was worth it. But it made me realize that I'm way too distracted to not be behind someone. But, and, and then they have soft corals, which are like these bright, colorful reefs up in um, Savu Savu. Savu Savu and, and Cousteau, they, they looked similar to me in the huge mountainous reefs. And, and then I guess with like Mama Nuka's, the reason it was my favorite is because that interaction with the shark. I would love to say that I'm like a really aesthetic like person who's looking at stuff underwater. Like I'm looking, and I do love the fish. I love seahorses. I love crabs, but like, I really like it. Like I love sharks, you know, I like it when you're up close with like that kind of animal, you know, just well, here's the next host of shark week, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> I want to meet a great white, which is so messed up. I'm terrified of them, but like, I just want to see one. I see. I've seen one close up. Yeah. You should be terrified. That damn thing was massive. Uh, Mexico. Was it by accident or on purpose? You go shark diving. Total accident. <laughs> Total you accident. Scuba diving? No, we were actually on the boat. And it was a little dinghy boat. It could have easily knocked us in the water and had its feast with us. But it just, it kind of nosed the boat and realized that we weren't a seal or a sea lion, especially when you're six people on it screaming that the shark was about to knock us over. And um, it took off. But it, it was scary because it, it was longer than our little dinghy. <laughs> Wait, did you see him under the water or above the water? He actually actually, um, breached about mm, maybe 200 yards away from us. He was going after a sea lion. And so that's when we saw it. Oh, my God. Nobody had a a camera. None of us did. Well, you're not. I I got no pictures of it whatsoever other than the experience. It kind of reminds me when I was in Alaska and the the humpback whales breached in front of us with their blowholes and they came out and they slapped their fin on the water. But that thing was a mile away from us and it looked enormous. This thing was literally like 100 yards from us. I didn't see hump. I've not seen humpback whales breach yet in my life. They've breached near me in Alaska and Hawaii. I've got to see them. So I, I saw I saw the full thing in Alaska. And I actually, somewhere in here, I got a picture of that one because my camera was ready. <laughs> oh, my God. It, that, was, yeah, it was awesome. And, and it's funny because after the, you know, they came, you know, because uh, they, they swim in pods. I'm talking about the 
yeah. whales. They swim in pods. So they, I saw the blowholes because our captain on our ship was on the deck with binoculars and he said, and he pointed to, for us to look. So when they breached, they came out, they went back underwater. And then one of them just came straight up out of the air, splash. We were like 300 yards away and the wave action from that splash got our boat. We were bouncing up and down in the water. And then it came out and playfully took its fin and slapped it on the water. Yeah. There's the puppies of the sea. Literally, they're so curious. I really believe that. Yeah. But were you on the Sea of Cortez? Were you on the yes. Pacific Coast? Yes. Because I have to tell you something. When I was in Cabo, we were hanging on a raft that was being pulled like behind the boat. And there were probably seven or eight of us on it. And I just, this is, I had an animal sense that a great white was in the water. But I was like, it's not going to attack us. I don't know. I just like, you know, when you feel something huge beneath, I don't know. I, I mean, really felt that. I, I think going to your point though, because I'm familiar with, I've been to Cabo more times than I can count in that in that area along the uh, Mexican coast. There, I automatically think there's an animal underneath of us, even if it's not there, because there's so many of them in that region, especially great whites. Great whites feast in that area, especially when the whales start to migrate down from the north. They go to just south of Cabo if they if they go to Hawaii or they go to just south of Cabo. So the great whites know they're there. Yeah, no, and but they don't really attack is interesting. No. But in yeah. Cape Cod, they are attacking. I mean, I'm supposed to do it. I'm doing hopefully a great white safari this coming year with Chad and Barzin up there. Wow. But wow, wow, we went on a whole shark tangent. Okay, yeah, we're, we're back to sharks, but let's get back to Fiji. We've done the we've yeah. done the water stuff in Fiji. Now t- tell us some of the activities you do while you were on land. So There are certain activities that you do across, you know, I found like hermit crab racing. I loved, I actually went crabbing in the nighttime, which was insane in the Fijian bush in Turtle Island. I think that the best way to describe this might actually though be to like talk about the islands I visited and like what you do on each island. Okay. Well, well, let's start with Sabu since that's where you landed. So, and I landed in, so Viti Levu, which is like where I spent the first couple of nights at the Marriott Mumi Bay Resort. Um, I, we talked about it, it's sort of like they've got the highlands, they've got sleeping, they've got the gardens of sleeping giant, which is like this mountain that looks like it's napping. And then there's this <laughs> wondrous garden beneath that. That's like just insane. And you can hike all the way up to the mountain essentially. But when I was in Viti Levu, I went to Port Denarau and I did the South Sea Sailing, South Sea Sailing Cruise to out towards the sandbar that only exists for a certain like two hours in the day, three hours. When I tell you that like we pulled up, South Sea Cruises, South Sea Sailing, do this trip. Like this catamaran, like they had all the bean bags, all the cocktails, and it was just like, and I mean, it was so much fun because we had our Fijian hosts who are like from Rosie, Rosie Holiday. That's a traveler's tip. You're going to be moving around a lot. If you work with Rosie Holiday, they do all, they will organize all of your transfers. They'll pick you up. They'll take you there. They'll figure out where you're going to go. Like it's, they're pretty much like your travel agent on land. South Sea Sailing takes you from island to island. This sandbar. Oh my God. I'm going to get the name wrong. We were in like literally... I wrote this down. Malaco, well, dad, Lai um, is what it was called. But so you go to the sandbar and then they put like a couple umbrellas and a couple like beach chairs on the beach. And that 
fully for me. I was like, I'm in the South Pacific. This is insane. Um, but in Sabu Sabu, which is where I stayed with um, Jean Michel Cousteau Resort, that was just like spectacular. Partially because like the way the resort is set up, and it, calling it a resort doesn't even really seem right. It's like built like sort of a traditional Fijian village um, where you have different bures, bures. Um, if Maldives is all about overwater bungalows in Fiji, what you're going to find are these beach bures, bures, which are like shapes, sort of like really high domed ceilings because the higher the ceiling, the more that it's going to be cool. And then just like sand, wooden huts, um, right overlooking the beach. And I mean, I hadn't thought about this until we discussed surfing, but like, yeah, there isn't really like a wave crashing on the beach. So oftentimes it's like lush, lush, tropical flowers, like palm trees, and then just a sliver of this gorgeous white sand and then just blue waters. And then you are typically like three, three like steps away from it. And what I love the most about Jean-Michel Cousteau, well, it was founded, you know, by like one of the best divers you know, on the planet who was like, you know, Fiji is, he was like, I've been all over the world. Fiji is the best place I've ever been. It has the best people. And he wanted to like start something that would like introduce people to like the beauty of the ocean and the beauty of Fiji, but also like be help, like be of service to, to Fijian people too. So there's a huge community element to this place that was like really, I mean, spectacular, I, but I saw that a lot be honest like you know when you go to a resort and I always do I'm curious about everyone's life story I'm like how long have you been doing this where did you like how long have you been here when did you start and in America I think oftentimes you you don't see a lot of career growth sometimes strictly in tourism you know in the hospitality industry but like my GM started out as about as like a bellhop do you know what I mean the other person who's our service so these these hospitals, like these resorts and these hotels, particularly the luxury ones really do seem to be providing like really gainful employment, but beside that, but also like gainful career opportunities um, in the sense they're promoting from within and they're not just importing, you know, executive senior staff from other parts of the country, which can happen a lot, but it's called the Savu Savu Community Foundation. And every guest who stays at the resort has like an option to donate. And like the Fijian dollar to US dollar is like 0.46 to one. So it comes out to like $2, $4 to this foundation, but they were able to raise over $20 million to get everyone vaccinated in this village. Like they've, we went to the village where they were building this dining structure and just like, it was really cool to sort of see how like the involvement within the communities and actually like something being like a force for good, like our hermit crab races, which are really popular there, we're fundraising for it. And I don't know, it's just, it was nice to be in a place where it wasn't so detached from its surroundings because the other private islands are amazing and gorgeous, but like they're private islands. So you're not going to have like a local village right nearby. Savu 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 and Vanua Labu is just like, it reminded me, I said Dominica, sort of like the wilder parts of the greener, rainier parts of Kauai just like wild beauty. Um, we hiked to this waterfall with a local healer. If I ever get pregnant, have like some sort of like diuretic issues, if I have pneumonia, if I have cancer, I know how to fix myself if I'm just stuck in a Fijian forest. Like he was just showing us all the plants and 
that was more of a cultural excursion, I feel. Then Kokomo was ultimate luxury. Um, Kokomo's in, um, what's it called? It is in the Kadavu Island group. And I mean, Kokomo was ranked by Conan S. Traveler, the best resort in Australia in the South Pacific this year. And just like the level of attentiveness and beauty and like, it was just, the food was insane. But also beyond that, like, what's amazing about this island is you take this little helicopter in and then you're in like, you know, the most southernmost island chain in Fiji. A lot of the islands aren't inhabited that are surrounding it. And it's just, you know, obviously like if you're looking for like, if you want to treat yourself and like everyone should at some point in their lives, you can fit people, you can fit a decent amount of people, number one, into these villas. Number two, you want social distancing. Like I almost feel like Fiji is kind of ideal because everyone has, it's like, we're, it's like we're tigers in the Nepali jungle. We have like, there's an immense amount of space when you go to these like private islands, even in ones that are like less high ends. Like you get, you get a, a bourree in Kokomo. It's more of a villa. And I don't know what I found to be like, one of the coolest things about Kokomo was like just the fishing and the diving and just the people, but the people everywhere were amazing. But every part of Fiji is like a different nation. So like the people in the Kandavu, they, you know, they're always fighting with the Yasawas, not fighting, but now it's like a teasing rivalry. Castaway, Mamanukas for me was like party central, but they're obviously like Castaway actually reminded me a lot of Shamishal, where it was also like felt like a traditional Fijian village and the GM there. Steven is like a boulinaire. He's Fijian. He started out in hospitality at like 18. He didn't want to go to school. His dad wanted him to. And he's like, I'm so sorry. I love it. I love like working in hospitality. And now he's running the place. And he's like the most like friendly. And Melly, who also is the resort manager, are the kindest, coolest, coolest men on earth. And as a result, the vibe in Castaway is really un- like unparalleled. Like if you want something like it, well, they will it's laid back, but somehow they make all these activities happen in one day. Like you want to go to cloud nine, you want to go surfing, you want to go diving, you want to go do this. Like if I were going with friends, I think I'd go back to Castaway, to Castaway Island. And then Turtle Island is like romance, romance, romance. Oh my God. It's a couples only adults only Island. I'd never been to a couples only Island before. Um, and I guess I still haven't cause I was sort of like the, although Murray and Mika, I was coupled up with like various people at the resort, which was fun. But John McKean like scattered his ashes there under like one of the trees. Like basically the man who bought this island, he somehow, this is a story that like I'd written down more fully somewhere else. But basically he was on his way to Australia or New Zealand, ends up in a conversation with this guy. He was like, this island's for sale. It's like, oh my God, I'd like, I'd buy it, blah, blah, blah. He ends up, the island ends up being used for the Blue Lagoon. Do you know that movie with Brooke Shields? That's mm-hmm. actually because I rewatched it. It was all filmed there. Back, he back built in the some, 80s, yeah. Yes, he built some of the structures for the Blue Lagoon. Once he built it, he was like, okay, I guess like I should like have other people, like I now have this like mini little village. Like I should turn this into like, you know, I should let other people come visit. He ends up starting Turtle Island Resort. He marries a, like a Fijian woman. His son now, was like raised in Fiji until he was 15, Richard Jr. He runs the resort. But that's similar to like what I was saying about Cousteau. And I actually am 
pretty confident that like most of the places I stay do this level of giving back, but like, you know, Turtle Island's involvement with like around the surrounding communities, like they really focus on hiring from nearby villages and like people's families. And, you know, they like provided like medical clinics, health clinics, like for COVID-19, like they did, they were like hugely um, impactful in the sense that they were, they, they ended up just doing bartering systems with people, like, cause people were running out of food. There was also like a typhoon or right before COVID and everything was quite dire. So yeah, Turtle feels very special because it's in such a remote part of the nation, but also it is so pretty. It looks like a screensaver. Right. But that's well, very good. I'm going to give my public service announcement for Fiji because I think it's important for visitors to understand when they get there. And what I'm suggest, what I'm actually going to tell you is the local, all the uh, land in Fiji is owned by the indigenous people. The resorts that are on Fiji are the land underneath of them are actually leased back for like pennies on the dollar. So the Fijian people do not get a lot of benefit out of the resorts that they have leased back to the hoteliers and all the big developers, stuff like that. So they make hiring locally is a very big deal because in a lot of cases, that's all the money those families have to live off of. So, you know, if somebody, if you go to Fiji and somebody approaches you and it looks like they're, you know, not financially well off, they're not, but they're also happy with that. They're not, they don't make a big deal out of it. So, you know, I know, I don't know if this happened to you, Catherine, or not, but when I went over on my flight, about two hours before we landed, they actually asked us for donations to help the school kids of Fiji, which, you know, most of us were on, on that plane were Americans because it came out of LAX and uh, I gave, but I didn't realize the impact of what I gave until I got on the ground and I actually started talking to the locals and realized that they don't get a lot of benefit from the tourism trade other than the see new faces and those jobs. That's it. Yeah. And also that's why, I mean, when a lot of places are not tipping, tipping cultures like America is, but like Fiji is like really not very much of a tipping culture. And I found that like tip, it will make people's it will make people's weeks. You know what I mean? Particularly with the American yeah. dollar because yep. like everything, it's not like, you know, the American dollar is strong, but it's still, because some places, you know, you can be in Peru, you can be in, you could be in countries where the American dollar is strong, but you're actually like still spending sort of a fortune. But hmm. even in luxury areas in Fiji, it still works in that favor. But that's where I, that's also where like, I always ask the questions like, when what like when did you start working here and what was your first like how did you start like what was your first job like I think that's like an easy way to see also if the hotel is like promoting and training and hiring internally versus you know they're gonna have the, they're gonna have the locals be in certain right. service level positions but they're not gonna raise to executive level exactly. so and yeah so that was something that I found, and I know it's very easily simplified, but like Fijians are the happiest people on earth, Fijians and, and Finnish people. And I know there are all these things, there are all these studies in America that $30,000 actually will make you happier. If you can make up to $30,000, you will be a happier person. And then it doesn't really matter after that. And I think that part of the reason that the Fijian people are so happy, despite that, like, not just because the environment they're surrounded by is the structure of their families. It's very communal. Mm -hmm. And it's very much like, like everyone will claim to be related, but I'm like, you're actually kind of not, you know what I mean? But they are, and they know exactly when, because 
I was talking to um, Larry, who is my um, sort of the activities coordinator in Turtle, Turtle Island. And I was like, the other guy who was horseback riding with us, um, I thought he was like 18. He was like, oh no, that's my brother cousin. He's 25. Like, what do you mean your brother cousin? It's like our great, great grandfathers were brothers. And I was like, then, but the how is like, how's your brother cousin? He's like, well, we're actually more closely related than other people who are my cousins. And I'm like, you guys, I was like, you need this app that they have in Iceland where you can touch your phones to one another to tell if you're related or not before you start flirting with someone. And he's like, no, no, no. We all know. He's like, that information's like passed on. But like, it's so, it's just like very much of like a, it is, it's like an extended family. Yeah. Um, in a lot of these communities. And I mean, still like Mary is from Kandavu, like from the Kandavu Island chain in the South. And she's staying in the Sawas in the North, in the Northwest working at Turtle. And her boyfriend is um, from the Sawas. And when she first started working, she'd be like, they would just tease me nonstop because like, you know, our, our islands don't like each other. They have like, they have like this teasing rivalry. And I was like, well, do they like each other now? She's like, of course, but like, it's still like people hold on to traditions and like, you know, family structural units in a way. Like I was FaceTiming my mom in the gift shop, like about getting her something. And remember Mary was like, I feel like most people aren't close to their parents like anymore when they're like adults. You know what I mean? Like she found that it was surprising. And that was partially because I don't know, she just had this idea. And I think it's true though, that like in America, oftentimes people create their own insular family unit and they don't, they can lose ties to like their extended family unit. Right. I, I, we got to wrap up here in a second. Um, I don't know about uh, you, but when I was there, they actually took us to an official, I don't want to call it official, it was a, a throwback to the older Polynesian times where they actually did a hunting ceremony and a head hunting ceremony and they did the uh, fire on the beach and all that stuff. And I thought that was like so cool to actually get a touch of their culture I- I- inside a resort. Was it overly authentic? Probably not, but it gave you just enough of a sense of what Fijian culture used to be like before all the, the Westerners and, and people came in and out from the outside and started settling the place. So I thought that was cool. But lastly, um, I don't know about you, but I ate copious amounts of fish when I was in uh, Fiji. I don't even know if they, Fiji has a national dish. All I know is I ate one hell of a lot of fish. I ate so much fruit, like soursop, yes. pineapple, papaya, watermelon, coconuts. Like, And I'm not like the healthiest person all the time. The fruit there is in, it tastes like the only other place I've had food that tastes like that is the Amazon rainforest. Yeah. Like, and it's just so, and like fruit that I thought was bad. Like I never thought cantaloupe or melon were good. I was like, these are the rejects of the fruit salad. <laughs> and, but like in, in Fiji, they're insane. Soursop, I die. I loved the sushi, but I also like, I... This is a hot take maybe, but like, I think fish, regularly prepared fish, unless it's really salty or really like has like some like really, I like the skin. I like fish skin. Mm-hmm. But I think that regular fish, even if it's really good, I can get bored with, you know what I mean? Maybe it's too healthy, but like the sushi, when they were able to make sushi or sashimi, oh my God, insane. And then there's this thing I ca- had called mud crab, which is a local delicacy, yeah. the nastiest thing in the world. But like, 
yeah, I told you I hunted for crabs. Yeah, you, yeah, you did tell yeah, right. That <laughs> felt pretty, that, let me tell you, that felt pretty authentic because they were like, Katie, get it. I'm like, yeah. oh. Yeah. Well, go, know, go, like, go, going back to your comment about fruit, and this is what was funny. Oh. You know, like when, when you look at fruit in a magazine, you know, they do all these things to make it look pretty and stuff like that. That's not yeah. really authentic. They'll paint the picture a little bit. In Fiji, that fruit actually looks as colorful as anything you'll ever find in a magazine. Yeah. And it's unspoiled. I've it's, never seen anything like that. <laughs> it's so bright. And honestly, this is like, I had this other thought too. When I was in Fiji, when I was snorkeling and swimming, like the colors of fish and the Fijian fish, like they filmed Dory like the Finding Nemo sequel there, like whatever, Finding Dory. I'm like, this, this fish is insane. This fish is not real. This is like John Galliano on acid, you know, designing for like Dior, like his 80s punk collection. Like it's like bright yellow, bright orange, like one jagged blue stripe. Like vibrant, you, vibrant, yeah. vibrant colors. <laughs> vibrant. It's yeah. beautiful. It's so beautiful. I think it's so beautiful and so worth visiting. And like, it's really hard not to fall in love with that. Yeah, yeah. You have to be a miserable person. I asked, because I kept asking people, like, do you deal with really horrible, miserable guests? They're like, sometimes people can come in in a bad attitude, but, like, they're out of it. They are knocked out of it by the second day. And I truly believe that. I'm like, that actually doesn't surprise me. But, Catherine, you were, you were there for a short period of time. You were on assignment. But it seems that you really got the opportunity to go out and really experience Fiji. Um, what stood out most for you? And if you can just summarize Fiji in four or five words, what Ooh, that's hard. How how would you describe Fiji? So, it's not hard for Catherine. <laughs> no, I know. I'm just thinking about what stood out for me might be more. Well, no, to be honest with you, what stood out for me the most was the culture. Like, I don't know. I'm like, what's Micronesia compared to Melanesia compared to Polynesia? Like I've had these questions and like, maybe some people know the history of this part of the world, but I certainly wanted and needed to learn more. And I feel like what stood out for the most for me for Fiji is I'm like, Jesus Christ, I need to go to, to Tonga. I need to go to Samoa. I need to go to Papua New Guinea. Like I just, it's just, it felt like a whole, it's like your first time going to my first time going to going to Asia when I went to Japan. I was like, oh my God, like what's going on in Taiwan? You know, and maybe it'll be different for other people who are like, oh, I've been to Tahiti. I've been, to, but like, I don't think many people are as familiar. Australians and New Zealanders, they know this yeah. is their Caribbean. They're there all the time. Um, and they're like, oh, I want to go to the Caribbean. I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, the Caribbean is unbelievably epic. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing more beautiful. The culture is amazing. You can't, you know, there are no other words for that. For me, it felt like I was just discovering like a whole new continent. Um, but yeah, the culture, but I think everyone will be struck a little bit by the culture in a way, just because just like Michael was saying, like there, there are things that happen and they do that can sort of, that they draw you. If you're not allowed to be a passive participant, you know what I mean? Nope. On those islands, like you are involved. Um, in terms of like the ceremonies that the circle, the drum circles, the celebrations, everyone in Fiji is a freakishly good singer, which is like, was very alarming to me. Like literally, because it's also part of, they're like, yeah, well, you know, you grew up singing. I'm like, yeah, but I would have, I would have been disinherited. I would say that in the, I would say the culture and then the, 
the kindness, which is sort of linked to the culture, but not so much like it doesn't, you know, it costs no money to be kind. I know it's such like a lame thing to say, but I remember when I was in the Amazon and Edavon was from the Amazon would always like take us into like these local villages and just be like, what's up, come in and like, just be so welcoming. And so he's like, you know, like sometimes the richest people are so miserable and it's sometimes people who don't have, who have nothing, you know what I mean? Who give the most. And it's, it just makes you like, I don't know, just that I think what Michael was saying about how people live in different lifestyles and different circumstances, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they want to be in a different circumstance than they, than they are in. There can be pride in that. And that's, there's like, that's not a lesson I just learned in Fiji, but I think that like, that's when people can take away from the fact that they have the happiest lives of, on, on the planet. And then I think that you could go to Australia and New Zealand, but those are larger land masses. When you're in the middle of the South Pacific, like you feel out there. Hawaii, even though it's actually more remote than Fiji, it's like further away from like any, it doesn't feel as remote. You know what I mean? But right. Fiji feels like some of like, I felt as far away in Fiji as I did in, um, I felt further away in Fiji than I did in like, in this remote island in Alaska. And for me, I'm always craving that feeling of wonder, that feeling of the sublime, you know, that sort of, it, it's why I travel, like to be like in awe, to marvel, to like be curious, to, you know, and I think it brings out the best in other. Now I'm fascinated with, with the South Pacific and its people and the culture. And I need to know more and more and more. And I'm going to, my brother weirdly knows a lot. He's been reading books on it. So I'm, I'm learning more from him as well. But like, I think that that's what travel should do is it should make, it should open your eyes to other things. And like, when I'm a billionaire, I'm going to be a patron of the, of the Savu Savu Community Foundation. Already, like, I'm like, I'm signing up for this thing. I'm going to be involved. Like, there are ways I can, there are ways I can, like, be involved and come back. And, like, I don't know. And the people I met were so funny. People I met were just so funny. And, and like, I think they could, they were like, we can tell that you're, like, we could tell the second you're off the boat, you're like us. And I'm like, what do you mean? They're, like, a little loud. Like, a little, you know, a little bad, essentially. Just, like, cra- like I had a massage. And Buna, my, like, masseuse, was just, like, made me crack up the entire time with ridiculous stories. Like, people, it was just fun. It's just, yeah. like, glory. Yeah, I, I had a massage uh, when I got to uh, Fiji the first day I was there outdoors. And, uh, but you, your point about being, like, out, feeling, like, out in the middle of nowhere when I got to Fiji, my first stop, I forgot what island I went to. There were nine borets, a.k.a. cottages on this island. I think the hotel staff and the people who cooked our food, there may have been 10 more of them. That was it on this entire island. I went, they, I, used, I explored that island. They warned me about one side of the beach. Don't go there at certain hours when the tide comes in because I can't get back. But other than that, I walked in some of those remote areas. I didn't see a human being for like five or six hours. Yeah, it's, it's, but you know what's crazy is nothing can really kill you. Like the ocean, the tide, but like the worst you have are like wild boars. Yeah. And yeah. And if you know what you're looking for. Yeah, that was it. And so we'll see. But I'm going to end on this because I I know we all got to cut loose here. But did you see the bats? No, you didn't see I the never bats. Saw that. Oh no. man, this it, I, for I'm dating myself, but they will get this reference. There was a TV show on in the in the 60s called Dark Shadows. 
yes. on, on television. It was scary as all get out. I was in elementary school and I remember all these kids used to run home and watch Dark Shadows. Next thing I know, all my neighbor's kids are having nightmares because of the show. Well, the bats in Fiji are huge. They're fruit bats. And not like the little tiny bats you see in Mexico. They're as big. I mean, I got humongous hands. They're twice the size of my hand. They're huge. And they hang upside down in trees. But the thing is, is that of the 300 islands, about what two thirds of them are uninhabited. So when we were on Vomo Island, there was this a place where we used to go out and drink on, it was on a point away from the hotel it was like meant to be an outdoor bar. Just as soon as the sun dipped below the horizon, but it was still bright enough to see, you see this dark shadow coming at you from an Island that was just away, but less than a mile away. It was the bats. They were coming over to our Island to feed, eat oh the fruit God. and stuff like that. It was so eerie. It looked like something out of a horror movie. And That's then like you yeah, That's and like, yeah, exactly. Like, like, like that. And then you find out the bats are harmless. But if you don't know it at first, they look scary. And this happened every day at the exact same time. As soon as that sun dipped below the horizon and like the sky is orange, you get these, I mean, thousands of bats were coming over to our island. I am so jealous. It's it was like so cool. Of, it's like the it's like the wildebeest herds in Tanzania, but above your head. Oh, Islands. It, it was cool as all. And it helped, too, that they ate the mosquitoes in addition to the fruits. <laughs> so, well, I mean, it was awesome. They're crazy bats in all deeps. Just to tell you, Michael, my grandparents told me about dark shadows, okay? <laughs> oh, thanks a lot, buddy. Keep, keep, keep in mind, you're <laughs> older than me, but that's okay. I'll let that one go. <laughs> anyway. He's cultured. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Catherine, thank you so much again for doing this. And for those of you listening, her article on Fiji, I believe you said, will be on Business Insider soon. Oh, my God. In a couple of days, I think. Okay. So by the time this airs in, uh, on January 3rd, uh, you will know to go look for Catherine's feature in, in, on, on Fiji to get more of a written account of what we've just spoken about. So uh, Catherine will, I know Catherine well enough to know you can also find it on social media if you forget what I just told you. Uh, so uh, Catherine, again, thanks for doing this. I know uh, you've got serious jet lag and you've also got to go right tonight. So um, we really appreciate you doing this. And again, her website, CatherineParkerMagyar.com. I will post all her social media handles again on our platform of which I did mention at the beginning of this podcast. Um, Catherine, Go right. Vanaka. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Catherine. Thanks, Catherine. <laughs> and on behalf of my dear friend, Dave Cumberbatch, this is Michael gordon Bennett saying we will see you next time in another edition of Trip Cast 360. 